Welcome to the Weekend Wild Podcast. I'm Pat. And I'm Jim. And we're two working class dudes who only got two days to get her done. We talk about a lot of fishing, especially musky, northern, walleye, and in the fall, we love bow hunting. So we've got all your bow tips and tricks. So we also talk about conservation, news articles, cooking, a little bit of lifestyle, and a little bit of opinion. We only have two days to get it done, so come on, tune in, and get Weekend Wild. I just remember growing up, it'd be like, you know, two hot dogs, fries, and a pop, five bucks. I don't know. I don't get hot dogs going out. No? No. Why not? Because you can make a hot dog for cheap at home. I know, but they're not Chicago style, typically. Yeah, but I mean, all hot dogs are virtually identical. Like, of course, there's like the Vienna versus like the other, like Oscar Mayer type. No, I'm talking about the uh, Chicago style has all the ingredients. Oh, yeah. No, you can do that at home. Yeah, but then you got to buy the sport peppers. You got to get the pickle... Oh, uh, pickle! Yeah, it's pickle, relish, pickle, mustard, relish. Um, celery salt. Celery salt. That's the one I was trying to think of. Celery tomatoes, salt. but you don't. You want to leave the tomatoes off. No. no, I'm also a grilled hot dog kind of guy. I'm with you there. I'm yeah, definitely. So the pulling them out of a vat that they've been sitting in for 20 hours. That a, po- not a my poached thing. poached hot dog. Anyway, you want to anyway. kick this off? Sure, yeah, sure. You recording? So uh, yeah, I've been recording for yeah a little bit. I don't know where I'm going to cut it in yet, but. We are talking today hunting prep. We're actually quizzing Pat. We're gonna. I'm gonna. I'm gonna put some things in his head. We have a little game we're gonna play. I was just out shooting my bow, and uh, yeah. I did that yesterday. How would you shoot? Um, left arm's a little weak. Gorgeous out there today. Real quick before we get too deep, we are reintroducing into this episode. I don't know how often it's gonna happen, but this one's gonna have it. It's Kelsey's corner. We're talking some canning stuff. So oh. that's all coming up here. Canning stuff is good stuff. I mean, that's a good, it's a good thing to know how to do. Yeah, yeah. she's been she's been experimenting. So we're gonna get into that a little later, and then uh, yeah. So tell me about. It. I got a story about the bow. If uh, about shooting a bow, but you go first. Go ahead. Oh, I've I bought a spot hog off of Dan, and the reason I'm, I wanted it is because it's got the second pin. Because CBE. Oh, you want another pin? Well, sorry, you have to buy a whole new site. So the Spot Hog is a platform that you can put like any site on. So I got a two-pin one. What's a Spot Hog? Spot Hog is a scope. It's a... It's I'd, a site, a bow site. It's, it's a site. Yeah, people call them scopes, but... I, I think they're sites. overrated. I really do think they're overrated. They're the same price as a, as the CBs, but they're not machined metal. They're like hard plastic and... But the cool thing is, is when you want to go from a one pin to a multiple pin... You could just buy another site, and you don't have to buy a whole another base, and you don't have to do all this stupid stuff. So they're very they're very popular sites, and CBEs aren't like ours, but uh, they're the same price. And I think, don't you think the CBEs are made a thousand times better? Oh than the yeah, one hundred percent, one hundred percent. Like uh, ours are like machine dovetails, and like it, it's just built. Wow. Like, yeah, the other ones are like plastic gearing and plastic housings. And yeah. I'm a big fan of sites that you can take off, put in your bag, put back on, and they're right where they were. I'm a big fan of that. And Spot Hog and CB do that, but. Uh, the CBE is definitely a higher quality piece, but the Spot Hog, to me, I can do more things with it because CBE is like, oh, yeah, you want more pins? Well, sorry, you got to buy a whole new site. Other than that, what's, the, what's, what's bonus about a CBE? I know you said that twice now, but give me another one. No, that's it. I said the CBE is a better site, but the only but problem what can, is- what, what can you do more with a Spot Hog than you, you can, can? You can buy a whole nother scope, put it on there like it was oh, on so, any other base. So you could do one other thing. Yeah. Okay. No, like a- yeah, no, that's that's everything. And when that, that one other thing turns into about 50 other things. So you want a better site housing, you can pick from 300,000 of them. Really? Yeah. You could do all different housings, you're saying? Yeah. 
Oh, okay. I didn't know that. So if yeah, if, if you're counting that as one thing, it's one very big thing. Oh, okay. CBE, you, you got meant, one to choose from and you're done. Well, no, when you said there's a lot of other things you could do with it, you could change the site. And I'm like waiting for like three other things. I didn't realize there was that many different sites to choose from. Oh, I thought there's it was a bajillion. Like, I thought when you said that, you can choose a one pin, a three pin, or a five pin. So there's this common, it's got a rod on it. There's this common connector for all sites that you would just go buy anywhere. Just a scope. Just the, the ring part of the, the site. And they all have a common ring that you can put on there. The CBE doesn't have that. Oh, okay. The, the Spot Hog has an attachment for that. Okay. So I, I'm still using the Spot Hog site because I want to dig a little bit more into it. So I'm, I'm setting up with the two pin this year. Last year I had a one pin. I kind of added an aftermarket kicker on there, but it wasn't... I call it a kicker. I don't know what the actual term is. It's like another pin, but it's a reference for me if I had to aim over. It's a reference like... I don't know. I did that. It's not that great. So, um, The one thing, a little story I got for you. I have no idea what happened yesterday. So I got all new arrows this week. Uh, I went back with the pile drivers. They don't call them pile drivers anymore. I do. They're Carbon Express destroyers or something, you know? Marketing thing. Anyway, I pulled back with that release that you gave me, and everything went flying out of my hand. I have no idea what happened. I dented the, you know, the XY cable pulleys, the idlers. Yeah. Those got a big ding in them. The, yeah, the whole... The whole uh, release went flying away and bent the thumb release part now. I have no idea what happened. I pulled back. I'm holding it, and the whole thing flew out of my hand. Do you want yours back? No, no. I'm just I, I'm just saying I don't know. I have no idea what happened. No, I really like that release that you and me traded for because you still got the one I I had, right? Yeah. I like yours better, the one you gave me. Yeah, the one the one that I'm using is smaller. It's lighter, um, and I can, like, I can, like, bite it real close next to my finger. You know, the other one's I don't just like got the, a giant. I don't like the pushing because that's called a, uh, what's that, something ball. What's, that, what's the name True of that ball? company? True Ball. It's yeah. a True Ball Hunter. It's got the, you press the thumb instead of pull the thumb. I don't like the press. Um, but anyway, I need you to look at my bow when you get a chance. Yeah. So it's still, I, I put the strings back on. I don't think there's much of a trick. I just moved this one on this one and this one on this one. I shot a couple more arrows with it. Strings came off? They came off the XY, the little idler. Oh. Yeah, it came off of those. And Did the, you break the, that? The release hit it. I'm wondering if I'm wondering if that came off, and that's what happened. Oh, I don't know. That's what I'm. I, it, I'm sitting. Around, I, I shot probably ten arrows at this point, and so no, I suspected no problems. I'm Crap. holding it. I'm sighting in, just shooting twenty because I got new arrows. I just want to make sure everything's good. And I'm sitting there, and all of a sudden, my everything lurched forward. And I saw the release fly out about ten yards in front of me, about halfway to the target. There's and, this little piece that's behind the idlers that holds. Holds them in place when they're not under tension, so they can't just come off the mm. the two the XY cables. I'll show you. So I'm wondering if that's gone. I don't know. We'll have to look. But anyway, um, so since the last time we were on, I did go. We used the drift boat. Me and Evan used the drift boat for exactly what I bought it for. We drifted five or six miles over like no water, no water, no motor. We brought the motor because we weren't sure we weren't sure what to expect on this stretch of river. Never been on it, and. Uh, but yeah, we went from one dam pretty much to the next dam, and caught a lot of caught a lot of smallies, tons yeah. of smallies. One big, big cat. One I shouldn't say it like that. It was a big cat, not nothing. What huge, kind of fishing huge. were you doing? I was fly fishing, but I was mainly rowing. I only got to fish for about five minutes. I haven't got to do all the fish. Oh, so I haven't caught all the fish. Yeah. Okay. He was. Uh, I was on the oars, and he was. Uh, he was doing most of the fishing. So I would have done it, but I, I had a late night Saturday night. I was helping Dan move. Had a bunch of shit to do after that. So yeah, you haven't. Uh, you don't do a whole lot of fishing outside of Hayward, do you? No, I. I, I mean, I fished Heideke like four or five times this year. So um, and then here we are at the end of summer. Not one video made. Not one. 
Well, so. I need to get better at that. I, I didn't get a whole lot of footage from our last fishing trip, so because it was just so depressing. Um, <laughs> kind of hard to turn on the cameras when you don't think you're going to catch anything, you know? Yeah, luckily I had the GoPro going at one on a muskie I got. I could turn that into a little video. I never did anything with that video. I made it, and it's just on my computer, you know? Yeah. I want to see it. Send it. You never saw that? No. Send it to me. Oh, okay. I need to get, like, video editing software, too. So. Um, so drifting with Evan, we caught a lot of smallies and catfish and learned a lot about the river, learned more spots about the river. And next week, me and Bill, I don't know if you're going or not, but we're going to that chili cook-off, Jake and Stephanie's chili cook-off. That's next weekend? Right? I think there was the 16th. Yeah, I think it's next weekend. Okay, because my secretary informed me that that's the same day as uh, this golf outing that I do every year. Oh, Okay. No, um, judge this year. Yeah, we're judging this year. So, oh, wow. I'm excited about that. You excited about that? Oh, yeah. Are you still making chili to bring, even though it's probably not? No. Hmm. No, you can't You can't enter a chili if you're a judge. Well, no, I'm just saying, like, I know you can't enter a chili, but are you still going to bring one? Uh, I didn't think about that. You I could might. Have. Yeah, I don't know. There's a lot of chili, man. There's like, a lot. I, I brought home, like... Most of it. Yeah, most of it. Um, And then we were, instead of Bush like Billy... We got a little politic and the bill is helping out with huge tomorrow. We got yeah. a politic and yeah, we got a big I don't fundraiser. Know about huge. He's cooking for sixty people. Does that is that that's, a huge help? That's pretty big. Yeah. It, it, yeah. Let's put it this way: the whole draw is to watch football. Actually, I got an interesting fact I heard this week. You want to hear an interesting fact? I kind of thought that was for the Bears game that you were doing tomorrow. It's uh, it's for the Packers game. So, uh, yeah, it's not for the Bears. It's for the Packers. Interesting. Um, anyway, did you know? As of 2023, there are still Bears fans in Illinois. Did you know this? <laughs> well, Did I mean, you? What, probably more in Illinois than there are anywhere else. Which sport is it? It's soccer. 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 But can you believe in 2023, you know, you'd, you'd think after 40 years of disappointment and complete, like, nothing that, like, the fans would give up. They haven't. There's still, there's still Bears fans out there. Jim's trying to trigger <laughs> a lot of people here. <laughs> I'm not triggered because I'm not that invested in football. No, but, but if I, I do want to see the Bears win. I But... I, I used do to be like, oh, screw the Packers. But now I'm like, you know what? All the all the other things other than like, you know, the arrogant quarterbacks that they always have, um, they're pretty great. It's not know? their fault they're the best. It's not. I mean, they just keep getting – they just know what they're doing with quarterbacks. Well, Aaron Rodgers was like, you know what? I'm going to go win MVP. And then, you know what? Playoff season, we're not going to – we're just going to hang tight. We're not – it's, it's you know, it's whatever. But anyway, so uh, – but Brett Favre's a deer hunter. Um, but so we got, we got some politic and Bill is going to be cooking for 60 people tomorrow. What do you, anything you want to say about that, Bill? I didn't realize it was 60 people. When way Mike said it, it was like, Hey, you want to just like show up and help us cook brats and chicken? Oh, I thought like, he was yeah, smoking. Sure. No, no, no. So it, he's having brats and it's just a fundraiser for uh mayor, the mayor yeah. running. So I'm actually running me, Benny and Keller running the front gate. I'm the uh, main thumb breaker. He's the cook. And, uh, yeah. I'm surprised you didn't know it was going to be that big of a thing. It, no, you're cooking for a lot of people tomorrow. He's got 100 brats coming. So, yeah. Yeah, was, grill some brats and some chicken, I guess. So I said Bill works cheap. So. No burgers? Uh, no, I think just some chicken, he said, right? Chicken and brats? Yeah, I don't know. What even, I don't even know what kind of chicken. Well, so, yeah, chicken's the obvious, like, other option if you don't want to eat a brat. So, yeah. Well, because it's a Packers thing, you got to do brats, you know? Well, because it's a Packers thing, you if can't it was serve a, real food. Let's say this was a Bears game, we probably would do, like, beef sandwiches or something. But considering it's a Packers game, you know? So there's more Packer fans in his town than Bears fans? Uh, no, I'm sure. In fact, we got Benny a little onesie that has, it's a Packers onesie. Because yeah. I refuse to root for the Bears. I just, I just can't do it. It goes against every grain of my being. I didn't even know you knew or liked football. 
Uh, I, it, to be honest with you, I don't. But what I love is the fans own the Packers, all right? The whole town is very proud of what they did. It's a clean city that is centered around all that. It's just a, it's just a proud thing. to. It yeah, could be anything you could be proud of. It's not a it. clean city. Yes, it is. No. Yes, it I, is. I partied down there, and it was scummier than scum. Green Bay? How about it? You Green, want to Bay, jump? I, Green Bay is nice. I, no, I I've, like I've Green been Bay. in the thick of it, dude, and it was scummier so than scum. So have I. Scum. I've worked there. I've uh, played there, and I thought it was gorgeous. Bill was there for like a month. Everybody's well, tripping a month. on a bajillion things, and it's just... Yeah. Well, every major city is going to have some of that stuff, but Green Bay as a whole... Let's just put it this way, Chicago, Cook County. We're not even going to say Chicago. Let's just call it Cook County. Go somewhere where that's not happening. Go no, somewhere. I, I, yeah, I'm just – when I was there, it was like a wow, okay, experience. Like, uh-oh. No, Green Bay's gorgeous. It's not, as, it's not as nice as, as Pat's, Pat's neck of the woods. Oh, yeah. He lives in, like, West Chicago, right? West Chicago, <laughs> man. I'll take West Chicago over Aurora. Yeah. That's one thing when it comes to Naperville. Like, if you meet a vegan from Naperville, I don't know what the, which one they're going to tell you about first. Whether they're from Naperville or they're a vegan. I don't participate. <laughs> I, don't, I don't participate in Naperville anything. So. Uh, well, anyway, so I don't know if you want to do any more talking about that, but Bill's got Bill's cooking for a large party tomorrow for fundraising. Our local politic, and we get involved with. Yeah, I just worked for Bushlight. Told Mike to bring beer. Oh, okay, yeah. So yeah, I told him he works uh, cheap. I heard that totally wrong. Um. Well, what I, I i i took that as you work for bud light or, or bush light oh you know what you look like a guy that works for bud light but <laughs> I, my hair's long enough now i need a haircut but uh, uh they can oh he works for bush light you know no man i the one thing too i don't know what's gonna happen but like i'm looking at the schedule for fall and i might not make a salmon fishing this year I got every weekend is packed with something. Something. I, uh, I'm, I'm, I might go tonight if I really get a hair on my butt. Well, let but. me know if you do because I'm actually very interested. I'm either going out fishing late tonight or I'm waking up early tomorrow to go out with the boat. So I'm down for either one. So if you do want to go later, you got a partner. Let me know. As long as we're not taking your boat. That's all. Um, <laughs> it's cursed. Jim doesn't want to go on a boat that catches fish. His, you might as well call that thing the black pearl, you know. <laughs> The Whatever. red pearl. <laughs> the red pearl. There we go. That is not what I'm calling that boat. Whatever. Every trip I go on, I'm just not going to invite him because uh, he's not going to go on the boat anyway. You're so. right. Right about that. He's going to fish from shore. Um, the one thing, I, if you are interested, I have a very quick read for you guys. You got to order it. It's on Amazon for like 10 bucks. Uh, it's a new book. Uh, it came out. I just heard about it on the other podcast we listened to. But it's called Hunter and Angler, Field Guide to Raising Hell. Oh, I like And it's that. all about like politic and like... Uh, Pretty much how to throw a fit in the environmental world, like hunting and fishing world, and kind of get things done. It's a whole like guide. It's a sixty-page book that I read it in less than an hour. So, but it was a very it's a, it's a nice little thing to have in your collection. What's Man, it called? I gotta say, it's called Hunter and Angler Field Guide to Raising Hell. Hunter and Angler. Yeah, Hunter and Angler. I gotta say, this day and age, it is so easy for people to just throw away everything outdoors and think, oh well, they use this land for hunting and fishing. Well. That's nothing. No, that's nothing. Put, no, we could do away with that. What, yeah. what about walking sticks? What, what about or walking trails? What about uh, mountain biking trails? Like no, like hunting and fishing. It doesn't bring they, in that much money. They look at that. They look at hunting and fishing ground as oh, there's nothing there, so they can hunt and fish on it. So let's put something there. And it's like no, no, that is the thing that's there is wildlife for hunting and fishing. You know, but they look oh, there's nothing out there. You know, when I hear about like the North Point thing starting up over here, oh, there's nothing there. Well, there's something there. It's not outer space. To that point, uh, I, I did. I do have some. It's not outdoor news, but it is local news for anybody who's a local listener. Uh, Mantino just got a approval from our lovely governor to open a. Uh, they're going to start building a uh, lithium-ion battery 
oh, factory. Good. good, yeah. That's going to employ 2,600 people where the old Kmart is, right next to where you guys used to work. Ah, uh, that's a big facility. Hey, did you know all of those batteries that include uh, a lot of acids and rare metals that you have to destroy awesome land to get? Uh, did you know those are green? Yeah, yeah. Uh, absolutely. And <laughs> yeah, and after, you, after you're done with them, too, you know, they're very recyclable. <laughs> hey, we don't have boundary waters anymore, but we do got batteries. Yep. Yep. So, Lots of them. Big-ass factories being opened up in Mantino. That's interesting. For, I'm glad you said that. I had no idea. It's not outdoor news. Do they say for local. who or just any anybody that needs lithium-ion batteries? No, it's a Chinese company. Oh, um, that's even. I love when they buy our yeah, property. It's a, it's a Chinese company that's going to manufacture lithium-ion batteries. Um, oh, it's a Chinese company. I wonderful. They did mention the name of it, but I, I just I can't remember. Like Bio BioLink or something. You know. Um. Yeah, that's. I love when Chinese buy up our property. I just love it. Anyway, so. That's pretty much. I didn't really have a whole lot. I worked over a lot of overtime this week. Yeah, it was um, on overtime. We had Labor Day weekend. I yeah, you know, that was, came over to your house and grilled. Came, that came and went. You know, another piece of news uh, that uh, ship that remember the ship that sank that they didn't they weren't like saying anything about it, but like yeah, we found one. Yeah. Uh, oh yeah, 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 yeah. One hundred and fifty year old shipwreck. I gotta. I'll, I'll come back at the end of this uh, little tidbit with the name. I want to say it was Trinidad. Yeah, it was. It was a schooner called the Trinidad, and it sank in the early eighteen eighties. And uh, why are they so interested in it? They say, um, I mean, people are interested in any kind of shipwreck. This one isn't very notorious, nobody died. A dog did die, though. Okay, Um, that's even worse than people dying. What's to say? But their their, like mascot of the boat was sleeping in the cabin when the boat started going down, and they 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 knew the boat was sinking, like, but they thought it was kind of normal. So, but when the boat started going, when it lurched, they're like, okay, time to go. And the dog was like, eh, nothing, I've been on this boat before, and he stayed in the cabin. and but the, the unique thing about this shipwreck is it's in amazing shape. They went down. The crew didn't have any time to gather any of their personal items. So all of that stuff was found down there. Dishes were found in the cabinets. You know, wow. Cool oh, stuff okay. like that. Did you see how deep it was? 300 feet. Okay. So the They dog, said about 300 feet. The dog was the real captain. He went down with the ship. Yes, yes. But, uh, I mean, it was just a, it was a ship that hauls, you know, grain, sometimes coal. And, uh, yeah. And it, they showed a picture of it, and it's in amazing shape. So there's nothing valuable about it, though. There's no, no gold, no, treasure I'm, chest full of gold and all that stuff. No, this is purely a, a piece of history. But it, it's cool because it, it by itself is a time capsule because it's so well managed, like so well in shape, intact. So hmm. Interesting. Because, you know, ships get, you know, old ships get sold and then they get destroyed and like they're gone forever, right? But this thing is in perfect shape at the bottom of the lake, yeah. you know? Cold water. Um, so for my first piece of news here, I got a couple of things. Uh, Chicago Tribune just reported on this. You guys will take interest in this. And there's actually a little debate I want to have. Like, just maybe I missed something. But tentative plans calls for removal of nine dams on the Fox River in Illinois. So uh, Army Corps of Engineers completed a huge study that includes removing nine dams from the Fox River. They were originally built in the mid to late 1800s for the milling industry, but they're not used anymore. And there's a lot of maintenance and upkeep that they say it costs a lot of money to keep them there. So they don't really do anything for us now except build sediment. In fact, I think I even wrote that down. Uh, they have uh, So these dams segmented the river and reduced connectivity and wildlife habitat. Also caused, caused large algae blooms and sediment. So we were talking about that with the dams, how much sediment like, built up against the wall. Um, the nine dams are Carpentersville, Elgin, South Elgin, St. Charles, Geneva, Batavia, North Aurora, Aurora, and Montgomery. Whoa, they're getting rid of those dams? They're getting, they, they, they suggested, and they're, they're definitely taking, I forget which ones they said they're definitely taking down. I thought maybe Batavia, 
Um, but the one thing, here's where... That is going to completely change where we go waiting. Oh, yeah. It's going to change a lot of it's things. It's going to be 100% different. So the one thing they left out of here, because I was just over there, is they did not... In that list, they did not say the Yorkville Dam. All right? And I'm wondering... Remember we, we talked about this like, a, I don't know how many months ago. All this stuff starts running together. But remember we were talking about invasive species, Asian carp moving up. Yeah. And so I'm wondering if they're going to leave the Yorkville's not on that list because of that. And hmm. then I didn't report on it because it just like I, I got all my articles done before, but they found evidence of Asian carp in Michigan, by the way. Really? And they say they're, they're saying they're not necessarily fish, but there's like uh, some sort of bacteria in the water that comes from them. And they say it could be from taking boats from this water to that water and vice versa. But they did not mention Yorkville. That's a main dam. It's actually a very interesting looking dam. It looks like a set of stairs. Um, this is like you walk right up this dam. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I've seen them. Um, but they did not mention Yorkville. So I don't know if they forgot it or if they're going to leave it there for Asian carp. They're like, eh, let's leave it out because the Asian carp can't get up it. Why, is yeah, that like a barrier, barrier against uh... – Yeah, it's like the last wall in the river. I, I For some reason, I thought there was another dam south of Yorkville, but maybe not because then it doesn't go too much further and it dumps in the Illinois. Okay. But there might be one further down at Yorkville. But the, Yorkville is not on that list of nine dams. That's so, probably why. I mean – that's all I can think of. Any thoughts from you, Pat? No. I, uh, or maybe to like keep the – like you were saying how it's going to change the river totally. Maybe they're like, oh, if we leave that last one in there, it won't be that different. I don't know. You know, the, the one thing I, I hope that they do is that they get rid of the actual foundation of the dam because there's another river that we fish where the – you could totally tell where the dam was, and it's a shallow spot. Oh, So it, it's like are they going to do their due diligence and actually get rid of it completely? Right, right. When me and Evan were out there drifting uh, last week, there was no water in the river. I had to drive out into the riverbed and drop the boat off, and it was still like in this much water. We had to walk it for a mile. I saw that, yeah. I saw a picture. We had to walk it. Yeah, it was it was ankle deep for the first mile. So me and Evan had a hand on the boat, and we're dragging it over all the rocks. There's nothing like dragging a new fiberglass boat over a bunch of rocks for a mile, by the way. Nothing oh, yeah. like it. <laughs> or what about parking your new boat over a bunch of rocks? Yeah. <laughs> There's yeah, a 100-year hull warranty on a clacker craft, so you know, might have to use it. I actually got underneath. They're really worried about what I'm going to see after that trip. A couple of scratches, just some white scratches. I'm going to buff out of there. Yeah, you right. Know? But anyway, so that's a huge change is coming to the Fox River. Nine dams are missing, and those are like notorious. You know, there's people that come from all over to fish those, and us included. Look at how far we go to fish some of those dams. Yeah, no yeah. kidding. Yeah, I, I mean, for you, they're down the street. Down the, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but for us, it's a 40 minute ride, 45 minute it, ride. Yeah. I just wonder what it's going to do. The river is it going to wash out stuff. It, it's going to completely change the the little map you got in your head of the one spot that we normally fish. It's going to completely change that. So they're still going to put rock barriers in there, but it'll be passable. But so pretty much you can drop a boat in at like the Fox Channel Lakes and go to Yorkville without any interruption. That's going to be nice. Like if you want to do like a couple day long drip, you know. Yeah. Um, no, one- it's definitely a win. I'm just I'm just hoping that they they take the footprint that they made out enough. You know what I mean? Yeah, because like Pat. Uh, oh, so it, that was the point I was making with the low water. Um, that dam you're talking about, that underwater, that's still a lot left underwater. Yeah. With the low water we just had, you definitely would hit that with a boat. Yeah. You definitely would hit that with the amount of water that was over. It goes from ten feet to four feet to six feet. Is that the one over in like Shorewood? Uh, no, no, no. Um, that one, that one he took. I haven't been over that in a boat actually. In the DuPage. Yeah. Um, no, the other one's in one of our spots. That's all I'm going to say. And about you can that. totally tell, like, the river hits the inner ledge of that. And then, like, the wake is just so weird in that area. But you'd be pulling up, like, if you're looking at the depth finder, you're going to be eight to 10 feet all the way up until that. And then it's like, bam, you hit your motor off it. And then it drops back down to four. Yeah. It, but it's it just like causes wall. this crazy short swirl. 
Yeah, there is a swirl. Like you, and a still day you look, you can still see like all the swirl under a dam, but the and, dam's gone. And you kind of accelerate over it too. Hmm. Like like the boat. Like if you're if you're just happily drifting right down the center of the river, like the boat will go faster, right where that swirl is. Hmm. Anyway, one more I got. Did you have another one you want to do, or just that no, one? Just that one. Uh, Fox eight. Uh, new invasive insect species discovered in Ohio. So it's not completely new, but it's new, new. So elm, zigzag, sawfly. You guys heard of this? Yep. You have? Mm-hmm. Okay. Maybe you'll know more about it than I will. No. Nope. <laughs> I've oh, heard of it. Okay. <laughs> so it was discovered in Franklin County. It is native to Asia. Hmm. I wonder why. And it was first found in Canada in 2020, so very recently. And it started spreading through the East Coast uh, in 21 and 22. The uh, potential impact is unknown. That's what I got out of it. They don't really know what this thing can do yet. Uh, here's one interesting thing. I I don't know if they wrote it wrong in the article. I double-checked that I wrote it right. So it said the larva is a half inch long and light green. All right. Adults are a quarter inch long, so half as big as the larva. Uh, they're black. Uh, it's like a shiny black with wings is the main hmm. one. So, But there's new invasive. And they don't know it. it when it calls it the elm zigzag, is it kind of like the uh, you know ash borer? They got is it only like elm trees? I don't know. Yeah, they yeah. don't really know what this thing can do yet, but they're watching it slowly invade through the U.S., starting on the east coast, moving oh, west. Yeah. No, probably nothing they can do about it, you know, just like the spongy moth. Um, so yeah, I just want to throw that out there. And then, uh, like I also said about in Michigan, they found evidence of Asian carp in their water, not fish, but just some sort of bacteria. So that's scary too. That is. Uh, and like the one thing going back to the dams coming out, remember we were talking a couple of weeks ago about the Brandon road locking dam and the invasive species update. So like this whole area, they're going to be watching very closely for all that stuff, you know? So maybe that's why they're leaving that last one in there. Like, eh, it's in there. You know, there's a huge pool like upstream of that. Yeah. It's a very popular pool to kayak in and fish in and stuff like that. I've never no, been I could see one dam, but every dam. You know what I mean? Oh, I say knock them out. I'm totally not. Like, I would love, when Benny's older, I would love to take that drift boat and launch it somewhere up off of I-90 and come pick up in Yorkville. Yeah. I would love, I think that would be a great day, you know? It, would. it might even be a couple of days. Might have to find somewhere to camp or something, yeah. you know? Um. So, and that's all I really have for that opening stuff that we do before we get in the main topic. You guys got anything you want to add? Anything? Anything? No, Bueller. Kind of a- Bueller. Nope. No? Just busy week with work, man. Overtime. Uh, I'm glad you're cooking for us tomorrow. I'll be honest with you. You were the first guy I thought of when uh, he was talking about doing it. I said, text Bill. He'll do it. Text yeah. Bill. He loves cooking. So Something for me to do, yeah. too. Just got to pay him in Bush Light. At the Packers game. <laughs> I, I think it's funny with football. I don't, I don't know anything about it. Don't care anything about it. Don't care at all. And it's But, hey, you know what tonight is? It's the big game. Yeah, football starts tonight. So then you come in the next day. Hey, did did, did they win the sports game? Did the winner <laughs> with the most points get, get win the game? I don't. I don't care at all either. And but, the, but my kick out of it is, is Pat knows I don't know anything about it, but I act like I know something about it, and I could tell it really not drives him nuts. So I do like football season. I really do because it actually it brings a lot of people together. There's stuff going on. People want you to come over for, you know, a little, a little party to hang out with and all that stuff. And uh, sometimes you can put it on, and it definitely is more entertaining to watch than baseball is. Um, I disagree. I disagree. No, well, I mean. It's, I don't know, it's something for people to pay attention to easier than baseball. Baseball, I love watching baseball because I know a lot about baseball. I don't, they call a hike, I see a pile of guys, and then I see a timeout, and then they go into another pile of guys, and I'm like, eh, then unless they're throwing a the ball, I'm not really that interested. The one, yeah, thing I totally, the one thing I totally hate about football is it, it 
the the game most of the time is in the ref's hands because they can they can call a foul on something stupid that they would overlook otherwise. You know what I mean? And it's like so there's there's so much human interaction in this game outside of the players that it just kind of is like okay, whatever, you know. Yeah. Hey, you know what? I'm going to be real bold here, okay? This is coming out after this game. All right. So, I'm going to say good job Packers cuz you won. Is that too bold? I don't know. I don't think the Packers are going to be uh, like super good this uh, blowout. I think it's going to be 500 to nothing. Um, <laughs> the Bears have a lot of optimism, but I am like, so I saw a prediction that they were going to be 12 and five this year. My official prediction, because we're recording this before the game, uh, is that they're going to be eight and nine at the best. How many games do they play total? 17. 17. Okay. So they're going to be one in 16. That's what it's going to be. Okay. That's, do they have a slaughter roll in football? Uh, no, you got to watch the whole thing. Yeah. How about it? Anyway, to keep the things moving along, we are gonna. I'm gonna throw Kelsey's corner in here because she does want to do one. She actually hit me with this because she wants to get back into it because she's got a lot to say. She's been very crafty since the baby came, and so we're gonna throw Kelsey's corner in here, and then afterwards uh, we're gonna go into quizzing Pat on hunting prep. Unless you have something you want to no, say. No, I like this. I love this. So we're, here's Kelsey's corner. Welcome to Kelsey's corner. Why are you talking so quiet? Because we have a baby that doesn't believe in sleep. No, we gotta speak up a little bit though. Okay, fine. But I'm like right up against the microphone. Yeah, just you still got to talk loudly though. Oh, okay, fine. So <sighs> I hope this doesn't wake the baby. So no, he's got that stupid machine that you can hear from the other side of the neighborhood. Um. Anyway, you got into canning. I did. Actually, you know what? Let's do a quick little catch up. How is motherhood treating you? Since you used to do this every <laughs> week and then you stopped. I have a baby that um doesn't a believe in taking naps longer than twenty minutes. And B, when he is awake, doesn't believe in being more than a foot away from me at all times. Other than that, how's Other it, is, than that, is I mean, it a hey, rewarding um, experience? It is, yeah. I don't highly recommended? I do highly recommend motherhood. He's the cutest little thing. Now, what if you're not one of these spoiled brats that gets to stay at home full time? What if you're What if you're like a working woman? Oh, then. Would you still recommend it? it stinks for you, I mean. Equal rights and all that, you know. You, you, got, a, you got a spoiled, you got, your husband spoils you, is that what you're trying to say? Okay, but you have a well taken care of baby and i believe correct me if i'm wrong but you had a delicious homemade chili made for you with dessert and homemade ice cream i better because you've been here all day so i that's expected (laughs) that's expected okay all right Mm -hmm. and i'm gonna have to teach you some some more recipes here you know just to make sure this is that we stay up to snuff let me just say i made him peach cobbler and i was all excited about this cobbler and he comes home. I'm like, oh, I made peach cobbler with homemade vanilla That's ice not how cream. This went. And he goes, oh, peaches don't do it for me. No, 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 no. So, <laughs> That's exactly what. No, you no, because the peach cobbler came out later, and you told me I got a whole bunch of peaches. I'm like, oh, okay, that's cool. That peaches don't really do much for me. Well, <laughs> no. then you're not gonna like my peach cobbler, are you? <laughs> And I'm like, well, no, I'm sure I will. I'm just saying. No, you said she said she got the peaches. I'm like, I never really bit into a peach. I'm more of an apple guy. You know, was not excited. You don't hear apple cobbler. Uh, it's apple pie and apple crisp. Apple turnover. Yeah, because it's a firmer fruit. Peaches kind of melt down into Uh, the cobbler. Anyway. Anyway. We are discussing canning today. Yes. I think we had went, an episode about this before that we were going to get into it and everything. You went completely nuts with canning. I did. I did. But we did have an episode that we were going to get into it. Speak, speak a little louder. <laughs> he keeps miming licking an ice cream cone. Well, you're like trying to talk quiet. It's either we do this with the baby sleeping or we don't. All right, fine. But yes, I did get into canning. Um, 
I think we were going to wait on Bush Lake Billy to get into it, but he never did with us. Are you surprised? Come on. Are you surprised? Well, he gets into like all your meat things, but. Yeah. Oh, yeah. This isn't as exciting as meat things, apparently. No. no. So, but yes, I did get into canning. So I'm very excited. Um, so yeah, Bush Lake Billy was down here recording earlier with you and I had to bring him back down to show him my shelves because I'm so proud of you did forget though. And I'm so proud of them. And then we have, um, the deep freezer that we got into too. So, but that's, that's our whole separate episode. Um, actually I had to buy my own deep freezer cause you filled it with crap. So, um, food for your son is good. So I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> I open it up. I buy this thing. It's the size of a casket. In fact, it's the size of like <laughs> two, two caskets thick. And so the one time I'm like, oh, I got a quarter cow. Let's, <laughs> let's open this up and see what we got. And it's like hot pockets and chicken nuggets and like boxes. And I'm like, cow, we have never eaten any of this in this house. Why do we have so many of them? Well, you know. And that, so then... I mean, well, okay, there's all, just a couple, just a couple boxes here. You know, there's a box of Uncrustables, which I approve of, as you know. And then, uh, but then I go back, and it's like it's over. Like the, I have to jump down on top of the lid, <laughs> lid to get this thing closed. I'm like, I'm getting my own. I'm getting my own. So I just picked up a little. They're cheap, little uh, five cubic meter. That it's the meat locker, and you better keep your hands off. All right. You haven't been in that thing yet. Not have yet, because I because I gotta get oh. I gotta disassemble all of that big one and get all my meat out from it and mm-hmm. move it. So yeah, there's a couple things in there. I need to get gloves on because that thing is cold. That in thing there. is really yeah. cold. Yeah, but there's a couple things in your uh, meat locker. So let's uh let's talk some canning. So you've uh, you learned a lot. You bought a lot. I did buy a lot. You bought I did even learn more. A lot. Then yes. you bought some more after that. Yes. And then, uh, but I want to hear about the things that you didn't really think of. That you didn't know were going to be a big deal, and it turns out. Do you have these to name or not? I did. Well, you told me to think of things that I underestimated, so I came up with three things that I did not really consider going into canning. Okay, Do you want so, to talk about why I got into canning? Yeah, I was going to say, give a brief thing on how and why you got into canning. Okay. Um, well, not to be like a conspiracy theorist, but I don't really buy into the whole, our government in general. Um, a bunch of, actually, this is what really got me into it. A bunch of baby food companies are being sued for having heavy metals in them. And it kind of made me look into what we're eating. And it's like, we're eating all these cans and all these plastics and all these other things. So I'm like, mm. And then remember, uh, right before, uh, maybe like a year before, I forget if you're pregnant anyway, but there was the formula shortage. Yes. So I was pregnant and that's actually another reason. It's like, you just look at all these things that are, shortages or being recalled and all these other things, all these products that have preservatives, coloring, flavors, all this stuff that's just nonsense to me. And to me, it's like, I think we should go back to our olden days of canning and, oh, the neighbor has chickens. Let's grab some eggs and, you know, more of the homestead life. You did. I did plug you into a, uh, like, uh, an egg guy now. You did. Yes. So until you get your own chickens... Yes. You got you you were plugged into an egg. We guy. can have chickens here, but but yeah, um I think last year, like when I got pregnant, we really started making the push to be more self sufficient, more home study. We started I started with all of our cleaning products, not that you've noticed. Um and just Really like, you started with cleaning products? Yeah. Oh. So you made the head and shoulders that I use in there? Okay, well Oh certain pro- all of our laundry detergents. Do cannon? You're that's you? <laughs> 
I can't make, I wish I could, I really would like to learn how to make soap. That's my next thing. Um, Am I being too much of a wise ass? You are, yeah. Um, one day I'll make soap. That's my next project after canning. Um, but anyway, so yes, I started with our cleaning products and moved into like some food things. Like we make bread. Now I know how to make bagels. I've tried two recipes. Yes, they're good. Um, I like both of them, so I think I'll keep those. Um, and but so you were talking about canning, like why yes. you got into it. So you just didn't want to. You just didn't want to have nothing in the house that is usable. You want to eat <laughs> what? What do you mean nothing usable? Like like you didn't the, when the pandemic hit, we had a wake up call. We had no food in the house. Yes. Well, so we then, would go to Jewel and get what was left. Yes. And then you're looking and our government's like, "Oh, we're going to have another lockdown and all this stuff." To me, it's just like we're so reliant on big supermarkets that we don't know what those cans are made of. We don't really know the ingredients they're putting in. I would feel better knowing I know exactly where that green bean that we're eating came from. Um, and it, it's our own products. So I think that that's a lot cooler than being reliant on a supermarket that number one is very expensive. Number two can lock us out at any point. So, cause I, I just remember it was humbling when you're like, Hey, I'm gonna go get all my meal prep stuff for the week. And you go into Jewel and you're like, uh, they don't have that ingredient and then they don't have meat for it. And it's like, geez. Yeah. And now oh, you look and at everything. $12 a yeah. dozen. And you look at all the prices and it's just astronomical and, I just don't agree with it. So we are becoming more suburban homesteaders. So give me the give me the uh, ten thousand foot view of canning. What are you What are you accomplishing by canning? Um, personally, well, typically you plant a garden, you harvest that garden. You do okay. Yes. Let me write that down. So after you plant, <laughs> you pick the veggies out at your. But anyway, you have a surplus of these veggies. And then typically when you plant a garden, we're going to do it better next year. We're going to know. And granted, this year, I don't know why our crops just didn't do well. Um, But you're going to plant a garden with the expectation that you have some to use right away. We had a dry, hot summer. We did. Nothing did good. And I know it wasn't just me because Gabrielle and uh, Jen had the same problem. Yeah, that was, uh, we just didn't have, the. and when the rain came, it was like, oh, hey, we're going to get three inches of rain, but we're going to get the next hour and then nothing for six weeks. Yeah, I know it wasn't just me because like my garden, like the some of the tomatoes did okay, but nothing else grew. So I know it wasn't just me. Um, but you plant a garden for vegetables to use right away. And then you plant a garden for your canning. Um, so a couple hours down, that lady has a big garden because she's a big canner. She cans almost everything she picks. Um, so you pick your produce so you know exactly how that produce was grown and everything that went into it. And then you can it and then you can eat it in the winter. So you just you know exactly where everything came from. You knew that it was grown well and good for you and canned right away. How long is something good in a can? I think 18 months. Although it depends though because some of the canning things I've been reading is like, you can read it for five years from now. I got to imagine that's ingredient dependent. Yeah. um, I don't think I'll eat it five years from now. Everything I've canned, we plan on eating over the winter. And then I'll do this again next year. So. So with the whole canning thing, obviously everybody goes into a hobby with like little bit of expectation what they know about it oh yes. there's a big pot you heat it up you drop the thing in there the cap pops and you're good for a while you know but now obviously you start chiseling away <laughs> and you find more details way more details involved right uh yeah and you learned a few things because like you i had to teach how to use my vacuum sealer yes 
uh, which amazed her, by the way. She, yes. Uh, well, that's the other part of our thing is we are vacuum sealing fresh vegetables to use in the winter. Things that don't do well in a can. Those, uh, I bought a good one and she's like watching it crush down. She's like, Ooh. It was very nice. <laughs> so like I, I had to do the first one for her and she watched. Okay. And I did the second one and she watched and then she tried it. And then she, you know, you figured it out. And then all of a sudden I'm sitting there like on the couch and I hear that thing just running. I had a whole day of uh, <laughs> doing zucchini and squash and peppers. and. But so with canning, what yes. are, when you, when you were getting into it, what are three things you underestimated? Um, starting with, no, with number one? Well, so first I got into it thinking I'm, so I'm on a walk with the baby and the dog at like, you know, seven o'clock in the morning. And I text Gabrielle, hey, I'm going to get into canning. Send me all your tips. And not knowing or anything I know, like, I'm just like, oh, this is something I've really wanted to do. Me and you've been talking about it. Bill's never really going to help us because he's the meat guy and whatever. So I text her, send a simple text like, this will be super simple to get into. Well, Gabrielle was on vacation. So me and her mom are going back and forth. Come to find out the number one thing that I underestimated was time. Time into researching everything. Like I spent that whole day that whole night, the next day, the next night, researching. Because yeah, there's essentially like cookbooks for this. Yes. So there's cookbooks. It's not like there's one standard issue, follow this way, and then you're good for the rest of your life. There's no. Things and to there's do. very many different ways of canning. And the thing about canning that everyone's scared about is botulism. Like you can get really, really sick if you do it wrong. So you want to make sure you have the right product. I get the first bite out of each one, don't I? Is that how this goes? <laughs> no, they're how all do done you very feel? well. Okay. No, I literally that goes into time is I read when I first did it, like I read the instructions three times. I read it all day. I watched videos. I researched every product, every jar, everything. So I think that number one people don't realize is how much time goes into it because you have to research so the you canners. You mean, you mean time getting into it, not time doing it? Uh, no, actually both. So first off, I spent so many days getting into it. Like what canner do I need? There's different types of canners. The canner I have that I bought, because um, it's one of the top recommended brands, um, but it can do both of the types of canning that there are, water bath and pressure canning. And then you have to know the difference between both of those, um, like what foods to use it for, recipes to do, ways to do it, um, how to make sure your jars are clean. So I think time just on the front of the canning part is something that people don't realize. Maybe if you do this again next week, because I know like uh, we got this thing where you're doing it every, say, 18 months, you know? <laughs> Thank you, Benny. <laughs> um, but maybe we could do we could do your favorite recipes next. Okay. We'll just keep it to like the nuts and bolts of it and then yeah. dive into the details. But um, but yeah, so that's just the forefront of canning is like this the time it takes to get into it. Okay. Next up is... And the time to do it. Because like yes. the one thing she has to change, I told her we can't be doing it like this, is the electric stove to do this. She's got the electric stove going. It's running for three hours. I'm like, this is going to just kill the electric bill. Yeah. We need to get the, we're going to get the outside propane thing to do this next. Yeah. Because that'll fire it right up and it'll knock that time down in well, half. We're going to need to get that soon because I think some of the soups I want, I think they process for like 90 minutes. Okay. So um, buy it soon. Um, but anyway, number two, num well, this, this is going into the time part is recipes take time. Um, so obviously I babysit all, my baby all day long when he goes to bed. That's the time that I have to can. So it's like from, I don't know, seven, seven thirty until 10 o'clock is the time that I have to do it. And it's like, otherwise I have to shower, I have to do dishes, play with the dog. So it's like 
just remember that canning does take a lot of time. Like some of those recipes, the first time I did it, it took me so long just because I read everything so many times before. You have to get everything ready. The produce to prep, the jars, you have to wash the jars, sanitize them. All that stuff is some of the recipes are very time consuming. So what about number two? Number two is money. Um, oh, no. What are you going to worry about that for? <laughs> you married me. Well, You're I not did. spending your money. You're I know, spending but my money. Still is that you have to know that with every hobby you're getting into, you have to know it's expensive up front. Um, the canner was expensive. And it's not like I bought the most expensive canner because there are canners out Tell there. Tell them for, the deal we had. Why, why did you end up with that canner? Because you went on a fishing trip. Yeah, whose idea was that? Well, this was your third fishing trip, no, so no, 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 this no. was your Whose idea. idea was, who was, who was this idea? Whose idea? Who Yours texted you out you. of the blue to tell you this? You. Yeah. Yeah, he said I can get whichever canner I want because it's an even trade. So I, I got the one I wanted. Um, it's not the most expensive. There's some that are, like the one I wanted um, was like $300, but the annoying part of that one is I can't water bath. Mine, I can do both. So it's a very good deal in my opinion. And by the way, it wasn't three fishing trips, it was four, and you were invited on two of them. So you bailed out on two of them. That's not my problem. Uh, Vermilion, and what was the other one? White bass run. Oh, yeah. Like, all those people would enjoy having a screaming two-month-old. I think so. I think so. Who doesn't enjoy that? Are you kidding me? <laughs> we keep going. Keep going. Anyway, um, so money up front. Um, with every hobby, it is expensive. What's an estimate to get started? Give, um, me, a, give, me, give me within a $200 range of what it takes to really... To really dial in the equipment, at least three hundred dollars. That's not bad. Not to, well, no, because our canner, like I said, you can buy a canner for three hundred dollars, but ours but is like one twenty. We're, we're, we're going to be buying this propane thing for outside, and yes. that, that was we looked those up. They were like fifty to seventy-five bucks. Yeah. So, um, and because I suggest high heat outside, get it out of the house because yeah. we got this little electric stove and it's good for frying eggs and stuff, you know. Yeah. But for this size operation and pot and all that, it's just not practical. Yeah. And some of this is going to process for a long time. I've done kind of easy things for now. Um, but yeah, so you think your canner, jars, um, you need different size jars. Are jars reusable next year? So the jars are re- reusable, but the little lid top that sits on top of them, you throw those little out. The snapple top? No, just the screw-on. So that part that I screw on, yeah. those you can reuse, but the snap-on thing snaps on and off one-time use. Okay. Um, so jars, um, all the tools you need it, like a jar lifter, a lid lifter, a little... Sounds like a pair of channel locks. <laughs> What's this thing called? Funnel. Oh, I was no. making a Well done, college call. graduate. What's this called? <laughs> a funnel. Um, vinegar and then like produce in general, depending on where you get it, can be expensive. Um, a big push for us, well, me lately, has been supporting like local farms and like smaller businesses because we I'm, got some farmer buddies she's been going to their stands i do go to their stands um every day um not every day but mostly um so just buying like good produce you know where it's from you know the people that grew it you're supporting two smaller things versus like a jewel or a mariano's or something like that the problem with with some of the stuff you're getting though is i i can't taste that many herbicides and pesticides on her and i really I really do crave that. She's making a face, everybody. She's making a face. <laughs> no, it's just I prefer, like, I'm going to stock up before. I guess they're both open till October, so. Like, I won't eat tuna going. that's not dolphin safe, you know. You don't eat tuna in general. It's not, not dolphin safe. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so I just think I underestimated the amount of money that goes into it. 
Um, and there's like three books that I have in my Amazon cart. That's like, there are three, like one's like a preserving book, like A to Z, everything you can preserve and how to do it. And like all these canning books. And it's like, it's just so expensive to continue to get into this hobby, but it's addicting too. Number three, number three is addicting. (laughs) Um, so I think I just underestimated. I thought I would do like a couple things and be done. But now I keep reading more recipes. I'm like, I want to do this. I want to do this every night. I'm like, what can I can tonight? Baby's going to sleep. Maybe I should go get more tomatoes and do tomatoes. And can I can this? Can I can that? So I think I just didn't realize how addicting it can be. And then it sends you down this little like wormhole of like, oh, what else can I do? Am I boring you? He's yawning. Yes, you are boring me. Go ahead. Um, anyway, so it sends you down this little wormhole of like, maybe now I need chickens. I can sustain myself with some chicken eggs. Oh, maybe now I need to expand my garden so we I can have more We did make a deal, a though. If, if we end up moving like I'd like to and we end up on a farm, we are getting a Highland cow, but it's only to eat. We're not gonna. We're not gonna name That's it. That's not gonna happen. And it, when it's three to five years old, we'll be out there butchering it. Me and Benny will we'll be out there. We're not gonna eat my fluffy ass deep, Highland cow. Ass deep in no. blood, but we will save you the heart when we do it. I promise you, you'll get the first bite no. out of the heart. Okay. No, no we're not having a Highland cow to eat. <laughs> Anyone who knows me knows think that would be spoiled rotten. But yeah, I guess I just didn't think that it would become so addicting. Um, And everyone, so I've talked to like Gabrielle, her mom and Jen, they're all big into canning. They tell you how addicting it is, but you're just like, oh yeah, no, that's not going to be me. I'll do a couple jams and some vegetables and be done. No, I can't wait. I'm doing stock next week. I want to do soup the week after. I want to do beans. Keep them at work, gentlemen. I got it all planned out. Don't let them stay home with the baby. (laughs) Send her asses to work. This is how more women should be. I really think that everyone should be making more of a push to uh, be stay-at-home moms. No, be more self-sufficient. Oh, definitely. Less reliant on government. That pandemic really woke me up. I remember the one time when you sent me in a jewel to get everything, and it was gone. There was nothing to pick up. I just, I think that's going to happen again, and I just. I, I remember walking think. up to the counter with like uh, whatever. The, I was one over the limit of eggs. Like it was, you can take yeah. one, and I grabbed two or whatever. And the girls like, you can only have, you can only have uh, uh, one or whatever it is. I'm like, okay, I got two. And she, she literally picked it up and picked it up and put it off to the side. Yeah, but and it's I'm like, like well, are you going to put that you. away? Because if you're, that's going to go to waste. Just sell it to me. Yeah, it's and, just like this is what the government can do. They can tell you, hey, you can only have one of this or two of that. And I just. Yeah, I think I that my, this is wrong. So I want as much independence as possible. As much Highland cow meat in my freezer as I can get. No. You know? No. We've been, uh, we, we could dive in deeper next week if you want to pick one of these topics and then dive in recipes or whatever the hell, you know. Yeah. I've canned a bunch and it's super fun. This is the new, this is what goes along with the millennial pumpkin spice latte time of year. This is the new thing, you know. I don't think so because, I mean, it's not like a ton of people are into this. I know, but I like teasing you. Like so. me, Gabrielle, Gabrielle's mom. Jen cans, but we're uh we're gonna wrap this up. But uh, so next week we'll maybe if if you keep doing it, if you keep no mm-hmm. pressure. I know being a mom's tough, and it's been a lot. Okay. At least he sleeps through the night. He's been sleeping through the night since we brought him home. You know, I'm glaring at him. <laughs> Thanks for doing it, and maybe next week, me. maybe. Yeah, maybe. All right. So that was Kelsey's corner. You ready to go into uh, Quiz Pat and see? Quiz Pat. And are, are, so what are we looking for here? Are we looking for, I, I don't know any of these questions, just let you they're not. They're know. not questions. I'm going to give you, we're going to do preseason prep. Gotcha. And I'm going to have you prioritize three things. 
All right. Cool. Actually, here's the, actually, I said that wrong. So I'm going to give you three things. And out of those three things, you're going to tell me what's most biggest priority out of those things. Okay. And then that's going to be one. And then I'm going to add another one to those three and see which, how the priority falls. Okay. Man, you really thought this through. So I was trying to think. I was trying to make this entertaining instead of just talking. Oh yeah, check your stuff, make sure it works. No, you know, I, I didn't like want to. I no, wanted a good to, idea. I, I, wanted, like it, really I, like I wanted to see some prep because, like, anybody that's listening and be like, you know what I would do? No, I wouldn't do it that way. I would do it this way. That's kind of what I was thinking. Gotcha. So preseason prep. Here's the first three things I want you to prioritize. I want you to tell me the most important one out of these three things. All right. Gotcha. Scouting. All right. Inventory of your gear. We're getting in shape. What are the, what what do you prioritize out of scout oh, man. inventory or getting in shape? So I'm gonna do this from a Midwestern perspective and, and just choose one. West, just choose one. Uh, but no, I'm just prefacing that. Um, yeah. So I would say, for us, it is scouting. Uh, inventory of gear was a very close second. No, 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 don't don't say that. So so you're saying scouting is above all else. Uh over those, oh, those oh, over things. those ones, yeah. It's not over above all things. else, but it's over those ones, yeah. Um, so we're gonna put scout here, all right. So this, the reason we're we're gonna break this down, and you're gonna tell me, oh, this is more important than that. But here's the thing: is like this is preseason. This isn't the season, right? So that's why it's like at this time of the year, what is most important, all right? So next and next, we're gonna say shoot. We're gonna throw shoot in there. So shoot inventory or get in shape. Shoot your bow. I mean. Oh, but it 100% shoot your bow. 100% shoot your bow. Shoot your bow? Yeah. Okay. So we're going to put shoot here. That to me is the tip top priority. Over everything else. Over everything else. Even if you can't walk to that tree stand, you think shooting's more important? Okay. Well, shape? obviously, like, so for Midwestern, <laughs> this is why I prefaced it with Midwestern stuff. So if you were hunting out west, getting in shape would be number one because you don't have a lot of time to scout. You can go buy whatever you're missing at the store. And, uh, well, I see. I think getting in shape to me is it should definitely be in the top three because, like, if you do it the way we do, you have to be able to go long distances on a bike with all your gear, or long distances walking, and then and then be able to climb a tree and then sit there all day. I just think I think it's a lot more physical than you give credit to. Yeah, I. But at the same time, like for the Midwestern stuff, like if people aren't really doing what we're doing and they're hunting on Dad's farm. Definitely. Then you, yeah, definitely. You know, but this, that's why I'm, I'm not going for the Midwest. I'm going for Pat. Oh, for Pat. All right. Yeah. We didn't do this for Jim. We're doing it. This is all your list here. Okay. So next, practicing climbing trees, inventory, or getting in shape. Um, out of those three, practice climbing trees because, like, you know, like, like I'm about to go do it soon. In fact, I might I might trim some of Bill's branches for practice. I would say practicing climbing trees because I, I hate to sound like a like a 40 year old dad here, but uh, um, what's so important about that? Safety. Uh, it, it, do it in the daylight, get, get good at it and, uh, make yourself have muscle memory almost. You think muscle memory. Yeah. You don't want to be figuring that out when you're trying to not ruin your hunt. And at the same time, you're going to take shortcuts that you shouldn't be when you're trying to not ruin your hunt. So getting familiar with it now, I think it, I think climbing is important because you may have broke something last year that you, you forgot about this yeah. year. And so you're like, oh, man, I forgot this loop on this thing broke. I got to fix that before. And now you got time because, you know, it's the middle of September. Yeah, it's true. And all the stuff that you forgot since you last climbed a tree, you want to learn that right now. And it's going to be safer for you in the long run. Uh, also, that is an equipment check at the same time. You know, you don't want to go out there day one saying, man, I forgot my hooks. You know, I forgot, you know, the, the, the stuff you hang your bow on and whatnot in the yeah, tree. Right. Or I, I forgot... Uh, this critical rope that now I can't get down or 
Um, you know, how do you do this knot again? Like that kind of stuff. Especially the knots. Yeah. Because if you have not practiced them all year, the chances are you you have a gist of what. Like for instance, like ask Bill, I tie bowlines all the time. But when I say all the time, I say I tie five a year and are months in between. So how many times did you watch me play with that bow? It's bowling, not bowline. Bowling, not. About, Remember, about four or five minutes. Yeah. I sat there. I kept twisting the loop the wrong direction and pulling something out. I just kept doing it wrong. When I do that, when I'm like, all right, I'm going to make sure I know this, and I tie it three times right now, and it's like, okay, I could tie this every time. But then six months goes by, and I forget. I know the gist of it. I know it's got to go this way, and it's got to go that way, but exactly where does the tag end go, stuff like that. Yeah. So you definitely want to practice your knots. So out of those three, we just you just find. Oh God, you were about to say something. Really quick, when's the season opener for October Archer? one? October first. Uh, so scout, shoot, and climbing. Do you want to rearrange those? Those are your order now. Scout, shoot, climbing. Well, so it's not my order now because you you added like important stuff in there after. But yeah. So give me. So rearrange those three. So rearrange those three. Yeah. Um, I would say, uh, shoot, scout, then climb. Shoot. Scout climb. We're just coming up with a list for the most important thing. So, so the the thing that makes me prioritize shooting is that is the one thing everybody overlooks because they're like, ah, dude, I was shooting great last year. Like, uh, like for instance, brother in law Nick says, I'm gonna go sight in the bow. It's like a bow isn't something that you sight in. Yes, you actually do physically sight in the bow, but you're you're sighting yourself in more than you are the bow. There's a lot of muscle memory. I could tell you uh, when we're shooting all the time. Like when I was shooting yesterday. Uh, I could tell that my stability is not there right now. So like I'm circling, I'm circling the bullseye with the pin. I'm doing one of these with the pin. And then I try to time it up. It's coming, bam, let it go. And then do a good shot. I'm not as stable as when we're doing it all the time. So the one thing I focus on, uh, like especially this time of year, is when something's wrong, you got to know how to fix it. Because if you never shot your bow before, and like before you go out to hunt, I mean, I'm sure you did a little bit, right? But uh you want to know how to make those adjustments on the fly in the middle of the season. You don't want to be down for a weekend because you think something's wrong for, with your bow. You know what I mean? Right. And you don't want to go out there and take stupid chances because something might be wrong with your bow. Okay. So here I know what you're going to choose next, but I'm going to throw it in there anyway. Yeah. All right. So would you rather tune, take inventory, or get in shape? Oh, man. That's a tough one. Um, I'm surprised you didn't jump on tune right away. I figured for sure that's a ringer. Well, no. Tuning is something that you do... I, I like to do my final tune right before the opener. So if we're, if if there's a little bit of a time angle in this, I would say get in shape. Um, yeah. Say you got say you got uh, two to four weeks before you can shoot an arrow at an animal. And chances are most people aren't going to go out opening weekend. I'm not. I'm not going to be out opening weekend. I'm probably going to be more like second or third weekend before I ever even touch this. Now people might think this is totally counteracting, but I'm gonna I'm trying to dial in my tune all the time. That's part of shooting. That is part of shooting. I agree. Um, I paper tuned yesterday. I missed just a little low. But to make sure if, if tuning the, to me that when you said tune in this kind of setting, it means like I'm doing making sure my arrows are flying 100% right. I'm going to do that the week before opening day. Okay. So we're actually going to come back to tuning. So you're going to say out of those, get in shape. Yeah. So all right, let me cross that out. Let me write, get in shape. Now, yeah. if you looked at me, you'd think that guy's not in shape. And you're right. Rounds of shape. Uh, <laughs> I wouldn't I think classify myself as round. But the thing that I can do, and I'm not like tooting my own horn here, I can suffer better than most people. I, I know what you, I know exactly what you mean. You're and right. I'm not saying like I'm going to be better just because I am. No, like mentally, I think I can suffer a lot better than most. You know what I mean? Yeah, especially especially somebody that is uh, no offense to anybody out there, but anybody that is d- doesn't work outside and they sit down all day, 
and they don't do physical labor like we do, yeah, I think we definitely have a leg up on it. Yeah, and that's kind of where my leg up comes from. But like when you tell me like, oh yeah, you haven't ridden your bike and now you're going to do it seven miles with you know fifty pounds of stuff on your back, like uh, yeah, it's going to suck and I'm going to suffer. But at the end, I'm probably still going to be able to hunt. Well, yeah, so, I'll, I'll get through it. You're right. I'll yeah. definitely get through it. All so, right, so we got ready to get in shape. So now we're just down to two here. All right, tune and inventory. All right, so I am going to say tune. And the reason I'm going to say tune is because um, we're coming back to tuning. We're not done with tuning. Tuning so. is uber important. If you think that your arrows aren't flying straight, um, you're, you're going to be all over the board. So, for instance, I today noticed an arrow that was kind of doing a little bit of swirl at the end. That's why I like the white. I got the white sticker with the white fletches. I can see it. I'm kind of a not the best seeing person on the planet. I'll say that. Don't dive too deep. I don't know how deep you're diving in. No, I'm not. I'm not diving in deep. But I noticed one arrow today that was just kind of goofy, and you could see a little bit of swirl after you let it loose. And uh, that swirl just trashes accuracy. So what I found out was is that the fletching was actually kind of breaking loose on the front of it. And it's from probably being in a bag. Mine did. Uh, those fletchings you put on for one of those uh, fell off on me. Yeah. Yeah. That, they didn't get hit or nothing. It fell off. Um, yeah. I definitely got a, I think, I think it got so hot when it's sitting in the garage that it might've melted the glue. Is yeah. That possible. I, yeah, I use a, I use a flexible glue. That's it's not like hot glue. It's more chemical than hot glue is, but uh, I use a more flexible glue because when you, do something with it in the bitter cold it's not just going to bust off like the hard glue does all right all right so you said tune so we're going to say inventory last yeah and right. the reason i put inventory last like yes it's, pro- it's totally good to take inventory but the thing is is my inventory changes damn near on every hunt and so, so for me i believe it or not my very first thing i would have said was inventory that would, that would have been first on my list because and the only reason why i say this is you finished last year and you're like oh man this thing broke or i lost a carabiner or you know what i need to get three new arrows because of whatever and inventory is the first way to know you were back grouped up before you can do any of this other stuff. So I actually, I think inventory is more important than anything else first, just because you may have lost, broke, tore something that you need to replace that you're like, I got all, I got all winter and summer to do that. So the the critical points of inventory, I would figure out, uh, during shooting. Yeah. I, it, 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 this all does, it's not like you can do these one at a time. But I, I really do think the most important thing first is inventory because you may have lost uh, your favorite release on your walk back of the last hunt last year. Yeah, and you're but like, I'm going to oh. figure that out during shooting. So, yeah, but before you ever went out, if you had a mental list of what's going on, you would have known, oh, man, I didn't even have to go shoot today because I lost my release. So inventory to me means like, okay, what do I got in my backpack? Um, I, I guess broadheads. If you were to put like broadheads and arrows in there, like, yeah, that's probably more important and that would more fall to me under shooting. Uh, no, I, see, I consider all that inventory. How many yeah. arrows do I got? Because like you slowly lose arrows. You know, you take a bad shot and it's in wood embedded. That arrow's gone. You may have forgot about that over a six month period. Oh, I forgot I had four arrows. Now I'm down to three. Oh, I forgot I had three and now I'm down to two. No, I totally get that. Totally get that. Um, so the only thing different, really, I kind of I like your I like your range. The only thing I would have done is inventory would have been on top. That would have been mine because this is once again, it's not like we're hunting tomorrow. We're hunting in a month. Right. You know? So that's why it gives you time to order things, buy things. Stuff like that. And the other thing, too, I can't stress enough that um, know when your arrows aren't flying right. Tuning is a constant process. Oh, we're shooting is a constant process. We're getting into tuning in a second. So, but here's here's the first uh, little list here. So, Pat chose shoot, scout, climb, practice climbing trees when we say climb. So, shoot, scout, climb, get in shape, tune, and then inventory. That's your list, right? Yep. All right. Nothing you want to change? How's that sound to you, Bill? Sounds good. 
Out of everything you hear us talking about, what everybody's going to be like, tune should be first before shooting. And it's like, nope, uh, shooting is first before tuning because uh, you want to dial in your style before you go uh, tuning. That's just my thing. Well, uh, the reason why tuning, if, if you told me that I have a brand new bow right now, what's the most important thing? Getting it tuned would be the first thing. But oh, my, yeah. my bow is tuned. It's tweaking after this. Yeah. It's, it's, I got to drop the, set, the rest a little bit. I got to raise the rest a little bit you know, through the paper. But the other thing too about like even if you did get a new bow, go plow sixty arrows through that thing because you're gonna hold it different. It's gonna feel different when you pull it back. Um, the, the the peep sight alone will change. Yeah, the peep sight. So if you go out there and you try and tune that thing like right after it comes out of the box, you're gonna, just gonna be retuning it again in a week. Yeah, I mean, uh, when we replace the strings, look at you 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 get that peep sight exactly where you want it, right? Then you fire three arrows, and what happens? Turns ninety degrees. Now you're playing with the D loop and trying to make all this work. And then what you should do is go back in a bow press. And go remember to turn both ends of the string up so you're not unwinding the wraps of the string and then straighten your peep side out. But I wouldn't do that. I'm probably just now ready to do that after we change the string. I've probably got 100 arrows through it since we changed the string and I'm ready to actually put the peep straight because mine's I line the D loop up with the peep side. So when I put it all in, it pulls straight, you know. For instance, I, I put that VTX string on the I well, I, so I put, did I. I got that's what I got, but I put it, I put that on the white bow, I think last year and uh, I had that thing in the rest. Or I had that thing in the in the uh, bow press, and I was saying to myself, like, man, I'm, I'm going to try and get this all right on day one. I know I'm not going to get it, but the closer you get it right away, the better off you're going to be later down the line. But uh, the fact of the matter is you got to really put some arrows through that for everything to kind of fall into place, your strings kind of settle. Um, and the other thing, too, you're learning how to grip your bow. If you go out there and you don't have a consistent grip, don't even bother with tuning because... I agree, and so, like... With- our bows were already tuned. That's why I don't think I'm with you. I don't think it's top priority because ours, I already know that it may not be perfectly tuned right now, but it's pretty damn close. So I don't need to waste a lot of energy on that yet. Like you said, get the cobwebs off it, learn your grip again. You know, I've seen a lot of stuff, study your stuff on YouTube when I'm like looking up like a rest or whatever. And somebody's like, Oh, I'm setting up this bow for Billy Bob Thornton. And, uh, you know, and he, so he tunes the rest Billy and Bob all this Thornton's stuff. Billy Bob Thornton's a... No, I'm just, you know, that was the... I was going to say Billy Bob, but then my mind was like, throw Thornton in there at the end. But anyway, <laughs> um, so they're setting up a bow, but they're shooting it. They're, it's for a customer, but they're shooting it. I always thought that was a little weird too. Maybe I'm just missing something. Maybe I don't know the industry well enough to know. So you know? If, if, this, if everybody had the same grip and everybody had the same draw length and everybody settled in the same spot, then yeah, but that's just way not true. Your grip might change from today to two weeks from now. So... Tuning is a constant process, but the initial tune, totally get it. But I'm saying plow some arrows. All right, so here, let, for tuning, I got three things we're going to talk about with tuning. I'm going to have you choose one, two, and three. Gotcha. All right? So the three is, would you choose paper tune, blank bale, or bear shaft first? What Ooh. would you choose first? Uh, I would actually choose paper first. Me too. I definitely would go paper. Um, so now you're down to blank bale or bear shaft. And now, just so you know, I'm going to have you run through real quick. I know we've talked about this over the last couple of years, but you're going to run through and just give a quick, quick gist of anybody that might not know what we're talking about. Uh, I'm going to go bear shaft. Sorry. I'm going to go bear shaft. I, I know think bear shaft on- is, uh, bear shaft is better in general than a- any of the other three. Paper tune is a good thing to just kind of dial in. Um, are, are you ranking them and how much I like them? No, but just the process you would do them. Okay. Yeah. And then the process of, of importance you think is to do them. Okay. You know, and not, obviously to me, my favorite's paper, but the other ones are very important too. I like blank bailing. Um, but you gotta be, you gotta be pretty in tune with what you're doing to be blank bailing correctly. All right. So real quick run through paper. 
Or um, I can if too, if you want. Oh, to. paper, paper, super easy. So you get a piece of. They use construction paper. It's like a thicker paper. It's. Not I like, use so the paper I bought for my shed is the same stuff. If you were having somebody work on your house, it's a roll yeah. of paper that you would masking tape to the floor so they can walk over without trashing yeah. the floor. You get a bajillion feet of it for. Yeah, you probably twenty get, bucks. Yeah, you probably get. 150 to 200 feet of it. Yeah, like you said, I don't even think I paid 20 bucks for it, but yeah. So the one thing too, um, you want to be standing, the first thing well, is- here, you, Run through it real quick. So what is you, it? you shoot through the paper at a certain distance to see how, like where your arrow is coming what out of What distance? Um, that was the thing I was going to mention. Oh, okay. Is first and foremost. So you do it more. You do it one arrow length away from the target. That's what I shoot for. I, I want to make sure the entire arrow can be between the end of the bow and the start of the paper. So some people tell you, oh, back up a little bit. It'll get better. The, the ideal thing is you want to be as close as you can with having the arrow free from your bow before it touches the paper. And the reason for that is because that's truly how your arrow came out of the bow. Yeah, because the further back you go, the fletchings correct the arrow. Yeah. And you don't want them to correct the arrow yet because you want, you don't, in theory, you shouldn't even have to use fletchings. That's a, fletchings are just to fix imperfections. So just to put this in perspective, if you shot through paper from 20 yards away and the target was right behind it, uh, you'd probably get a bullet hole every time. And uh, so, but the, the, the reason to go through paper is you want to see if your fletchings went left, right, up, or down. And uh, when people say bullet holes, they mean that there's however many fletchings you got, there's those little cuts in the paper with a hole straight in the center. Right where those meet up. Right where there's no and there's no line tearing off to the right, left, up, or down. And you guys can look into it further. We don't need to dial in. We could even do, we could even dial in further. I had a different one. But so what's bear shaft tuning? So bear shaft tuning is the I would call it the extreme tuning method. Um, this scares the hell out of me. I'll be honest with you. Bear shaft. Uh, I like bear shaft tuning because it represents your grip the best. You can do it at yardage. But what is it? Uh, so you rip the fletchings off of an arrow. And now you're shooting an arrow with no fletches. So if you could get that to fly straight and as good as your other arrows, that is the perfect tune. To me, it's better than a paper tune. Um, it's more accurate. It's more accurate. It's it's way more accurate. So I, I would put this on number one in terms of like my tuning method. Um, for beginners, I would go with blank bailing as number one because it's the simplest one to do. Um, it's one you could do with the least, you could probably do it with the equipment you have in your backyard. You yeah. could do blank bail. You're not going to be ruining fletchings. You're not going to be, you know, having to make a thing to hold paper, but, uh, but bear shaft tuning is if you can get the arrow to fly straight, this is the only principle you need to know about bear shaft tuning. If you can get the, the arrow to fly straight, just the shaft, then you're going to be great with fletches on there. All right. And then blank bail. What's blank bail? So blank bailing is the same thing as paper tuning. Um, I would stand a touch further away, maybe like a couple inches further away. And, uh, the reason is, is, um, it's, it, it kind of tricks you. It tricks your eye and you're going to be breaking shafts if you stand right up against it. But what is it? Uh, so you have a target about one arrow length away from where the arrow comes out of your bow again. If you can slide an arrow between your bow and this thing, then you're in the right spot maybe go a little bit further too so you can see where you're shooting but so you're shooting a tar you're shooting an arrow into a target at the angle that it came out of the bow no time for correction this is the easier form of paper tuning um problem is is that if you have certain things in your target that would straighten the arrow as it goes in it's going to trick you so, so i was going to say uh, the, there's a new target at the club that's real easy to pull arrows out of yeah and i paper tuned and i saw my stuff was shooting straight but the way this bag it accepts the arrow, 
it goes in and it sits there and they, they get crooked as it, it hits this really easy to pull out target because it's such a loose fit in there. Yeah, so that would make you think that your tune was way worse than it was. That's what made me go paper tune because I'm shooting in there and I'm looking at my arrow and I'm like, man, is that thing crooked, you yeah. know? So if you had a if you had a target that was thin layers of something, let's say foam or paper or whatever, um, the paper is going to try and straighten that arrow out up and down, maybe not left and right. But those, you know, think of it as grains in wood. It's going to try and straighten it and run with those grains because it's easier. So the best thing to blank bale, in my opinion, is hay. Yeah, hay, I was going to say, or uh, jello. Jello would be a good one. Yeah, <laughs> jello would probably be a really good one. But blank right. baling is the simplest. Then paper tuning is simpler after that. Bear shaft tuning is a lot tougher. It's a lot more frustrating, and it's actually kind of dangerous. So, um, See me if I if, like my but the one I only do really is uh paper tune. I will bear shift this year because I got a couple extra arrows that would be good for it. But paper, paper, I think is if you have if you're gonna do one, I think paper is the most important. And then bear shaft, I'd go with and blank bale. If I'm doing the first two, I'm gonna skip blank bale and I'm not gonna bother with blank bailing is in replacement of paper. So the one super downside of paper is that you need a setup to do it. Uh, I built one in my shed. Yeah. So the upside is is that. I actually carry a blank, or I actually carry a bear shaft in my bow. Uh, sure, I lose one shootable arrow out of the deal. I probably wouldn't shoot that at a deer or whatever I'm trying to do. Um, but you can tune on the fly wherever you go. So if you go to the range and somebody's on the paper tuner, you just pull out your bear shaft and away you go. The same could be said about blank bailing, but I think bear shaft tuning. Learn how to bear shaft tune. It's an on the fly indicator of what you're doing, and you could do it while you're still shooting your other arrows at whatever yardage you're doing. All right, so let's move on. And Bill, you could definitely chime in with this one if you want, because this this applies to fishing too. But I'm going to give you three accessories, and I want to know the most important ones to you. You you can tell you what the first one. The first one you cannot leave home without. The second one is one of your favorites, and the third you could leave home without. Okay. All right, fair. Cool, sounds good to me. All right, so gloves. Okay. Flashlight. Okay. Boots. Good good boots. Good boots. Good boots. Um. Hmm. So like pretty much like if I went out there, if I went out there and I found out I forgot my boots and all I had was my Crocs on, I'd probably still go hunting. So this is probably going to, this is probably going to make <laughs> some like people mad, but, uh, so most important, me, most important can't leave home without flashlight. I'm with um, you. Bill flashlight. Bill likes his flashlights too. All right. Number two is good boots. Um, I think my feet are more important than my hands when it comes to hunting. Cause I can always shove my hands somewhere that it's warm. Um, and gloves. Than gloves. So gloves is the thing that's nice to have, but you can leave it home. Because I agree. You will be able to shove it somewhere. The other thing too, I don't shoot with gloves. Uh, last year when I was out, you grab your bow. It's it's way super cold, but your your adrenaline's pumping. You can kind of deal with it. I've trained myself to work with gloves very well, so I can I can do I can do most things with gloves on. There's a couple of things I can't. You know, gloves. I tried picking my nose with gloves on. It didn't work that well. The thicker you know? they are, the more they're going to change your tune. And how about, that's just a fact. How about you, Bill? If you had to leave home for a day of outdoor activities. Boots. Boots are number two? Boots are number two. Uh, and gloves oh, you can go without. Yeah. I, you can always put your hands in your pockets, but once you get cold feet, I'm done. Yeah, that's cold, true. Cold feet is is same thing with when I used to travel. Like I always wore like double insulated socks and insulated boots. Flashlight to me is more important in the hunting setting because... Uh, you're always doing it at one end of the day or the other. Yeah. You're, you will be walking in the dark at one day. One, at one morning hunt or night hunt, you're going to be walking in the dark. The other thing, too, when it comes to saddle hunting, um, you can do it by feel if you really, really had to. But uh, it's always nice for me to see my for my eyeballs to see that my carabiner's clipped right in my bridge and it ain't coming out. 
You know what I mean? Yeah. It's nice to see the knots that I tie, all that stuff. I put the next category. I'm going to give you three more, and this is under entertainment, all right? And then you're going to choose one, two, or three. So the one you cannot leave without, two you would love to have, and three you just don't need it. And we're talking about this purely from an entertainment perspective? You'll see where I'm going with this. Okay. So remember, one you just can't leave home without. And so you got snacks, books, or phone. Okay, so phone I'm going to put as number one. I truly am Definitely. not a phone person. I truly am not a phone person, and I don't like to play on my phone. Of course, my fiance would tell you differently that I can't go to the bathroom without taking it with me. Which That's is just true. modern society. Well, no, the thing with the phone I think is most important is because there's been times where I'm hunting in a spot and I'm like, I am. Did I cross the line? Like, am I yeah. am I over there? Let me look up the hunting map and make sure I'm good or a regulation you didn't know about. Because one time I, I walked up on one of our public lands and it says, "Do not enter," and I'm like, "This was on the map. This whole area. You know what I'm talking about. Yeah. This was on oh, yeah. the map." And what I found out is that sign was for the firearm hunters. You can't firearm hunt past that. You can still archery hunt. But I found that out by sitting in a ground blind and figuring that out. The other thing, too, that makes the phone so important is emergencies. Emergencies. Definitely emergencies. Uh, Tree climbing, I would be very nervous if I was in a tree without my phone. And that's purely for emergency sake. Right. All right. So now you got snacks and books. Oh, books and then snacks. I Man, I'm I'm going to say snacks are second for me. For me... um, I've been like really toying with the fasting thing. For instance, I'm on 17 hours or something like that right now for fasting. And it's, uh, that's all well and good when it's in a controlled environment, but when you're going to be in 20 degree air after you just exerted a couple, all this energy, walking a couple miles and climbing trees, you're going to need to put something in you just for warmth, just yeah. to throw some coal in the fire. I, I, okay. The coal in the fire thing I totally get, but, uh, I don't know. I for for me, uh, I can wait till I get back in the truck. I'm not going to be out there for a day. What would you think? I agree with you. Snacks, snacks. I definitely because like like Dad always said, you know how many times you're out there fishing and then you're like, ah, let's go in and get something to eat. But nobody's ever hungry when you're catching fish. I guarantee you, no matter how hungry you are, when a deer walks in front, you're no longer hungry. And but that is enough to make you go home when you get super hungry and grumpy and you're like, you'd realize, Oh man, I got hours before sunset. Nah, screw it. I'll just go home and I'm hungry. Nah, I'm different with that. I'm, I'm totally going book over snacks. Shout out to Dan. Uh, the best tree snack in my opinion. Do you guys remember those little, um, uh, they're like breadsticks with cheese. Yeah. Like the, the, for like kids lunches. So me and Dan bought a 3000 pack of those things last year. <laughs> and, Osco uh, sticks. No, they're not Bosco no, sticks. Remember no, remember they had the little cheese spreader, the little red plastic oh, cheese spreader. Yeah. No, are- that's for something else. This is this is a dipper thing. So like the, there's a it's it's like a little stick cracker. Oh, you dip in yeah. cheese. You yep, know what? Yep. That's the same thing. But mine was actually a cracker. The one I'm talking about. Remember you took that and spread yeah. it on a cracker. You're right. The other yeah. ones were just those like, and they always break off as soon as you stick it in that cheese breaks in half now, now the, you got now you gotta dip that thing twice the downside is that stuff is concrete in when it's 30 degrees or lower I, it's gonna be hard to convince me that a pb and j or trail mix is not the most okay. optimal snack um, pb and j is probably the best snack to have in a tree but, oh uh, if you can do it quietly as long as you don't bring the uncrustable wrapper you could do it if you do have it in the uncrustable wrappers now if i'm bored out of my mind and my phone dies which i sure don't ha- hope to happen because uh you know the emergency thing we were talking about uh I can always read a book. You know what I mean? I keep a book like uh, I think I had, uh, not The Call of the Wild. It was another, maybe it was A Call of the Wild. No, that was that poem I read. Fifty Shades of Grey? Yeah, Fifty Shades of Grey. I just wouldn't miss out on it. No, it was, uh, oh man, it's a classic book and I can't think of the name of it. It's about a wolf. Uh, It's like a dog that met up with a wolf pack 
Come little, on. Little Red Riding Hood? Yeah, that's it. That's it. A dog ah, that met up with a wolf. Iron pet. Wolf. No. <laughs> oh, man. This is going to kill me because it's like, uh, you guys know this. It's it's a well-known, and I've never read it. Uh, Charlotte's Web. Yeah, Charlotte's Web. <laughs> but I keep that one in there. I've never finished it. Um, yeah, I keep that in there. Next week, I'll have the name of it. I promise. It's, uh, I'm going to have me some musky fishing books up in the tree this year. Which books are you going to read? Um, there's a, a couple by uh, some of the big names that we like that I really want to dig into. Did you ever read Next Level Musky? Yeah. A, I st- I'm, I'm like halfway through it. I've looked into some uh, some books and they weren't – there's not a lot of musky fishing, nothing good. There's a lot uh, of like uh, – there's a lot of like basic old ones that are kind of good. But anyway, I just looked up the one book. That, it is The Call of the Wild. Oh, yeah. Okay, yeah. yeah. And what did I just say? Call of the Wild. Oh, okay. What was that poem I read? That wasn't that Call of the Wild then. Law of the Jungle. Law of the Jungle. That's it. Okay, yeah. okay. What's that one with uh, Chris McCandless? What's that one called? Oh, come on, come on, come on. Come it's on. like Call of the Into Wild. Into the Wild. Into, Into the, the Wild. wild. Yeah. yeah Into the Wild. That was a great book. Yeah. A great book. Into the Wild, anybody. Good movie, too. Emperor of the New Moon or Summer yeah, Moon. Yeah, that's a movie. Uh, I just read that. That's good. But I'm telling you, you guys got to get that hunter and angler field guide. If you if you care about politics and then outdoors and all that, then then it applies to you. You read it in under an hour. It's like reading a, a little magazine. So anyway, that's all I have for organizing. So Pat's favorite is shoot, scout, climb, uh, get in shape, tune, and then inventory. And then for tuning, he prefers paper over bear shaft and bear shaft over blank bale. And he prefers a flashlight over a good pair of boots and a good pair of boots over a good pair of gloves. And then phone, book, snacks. I think you got that backwards. So you um, say snacks, phone, book. <laughs> what? No, I thought you said phone was most important. I, it is. But like realistically, like I'd be a lot more upset if I knew I was going on an all-day hunt and I realized I forgot my snacks. Now, if I didn't have any family or friends that cared about me, I would totally not care about my phone. That's true. You know, but uh, yeah, that's... I've been in know. some cold meat houses and like you get, get, get a nice chill, but go have a Snickers bar. Yeah. Uh, good as new. So I ordered mine, the tuning ones for. Um, I think the shepherd's coming down. Yeah. Go ahead, keep going. You ordered. I your- I ordered mine for beginner. Hi baby. Uh, the tuning, but my preferred tuning is uh, bear shaft, uh, paper, and then blank bale. All right, so that's all we got. I'm gonna quit rambling here. And uh, anything else you want to add, Bill? Nothing. You kind of sat quietly and uh, didn't say much. <laughs> this was all Greek to me, dude. This was uh, this was a really good idea. We're gonna do another one like this. So I I might come up with one. Yeah, you come uh, up, you. come up with something like this for me, and then we could debate it over. Yeah. So I'm yeah, gonna do one for like a boat trip. The one thing we did promise the listeners that we have to do. I was actually thinking about doing something on a Sunday, maybe next Sunday or the Sunday after that, but with Dad because he's the pro knife sharpener. But we were gonna do a whole sharpening episode. Oh yeah. And I was actually gonna see if we can get Dad on here, even if we gotta bring this stuff up to his house and go up there and yeah. interview him. Because it would be nice to have him on the, inter- on yeah, the podcast. Yeah, he is, he is like legitimately like an expert knife sharpener. So he spent more time than anybody doing it. We wouldn't do it if it wasn't for him. That's yeah. why I thought it'd be for this kind of episode. At least I'd like to get like a, like talk to him and really write some things down. But I want. But if we do get Dad involved, I want to get a, like a something like this set up where we're kind of interviewing him. Yeah. You know. All right, that's it. You can reach out to us at uh, contact at... What's up? You were going to say something? No, I was going to say contact at... Uh, weekendwildpodcast.com. And don't forget, check out us, check us out on the Muskie 360 app. We have a little tab off under my 360. We are definitely on there. And then, uh, yeah, that's it. Thanks for listening, everybody. And Thanks, also everyone. Instagram. Don't forget about Instagram. Yeah, Instagram. You can find us on Instagram. Got to so. get the gram. All right, you guys have a good week, and we will talk to you later. Thanks. Thanks.